Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast, a monthly show by Jewish Lives, the prize-winning biography series published by Yale University Press and the Leon D. Black Foundation. I'm your host, Alessandra Walner. In each episode, we explore the life and legacy of an influential Jewish figure. Today, we're looking at the Weimar Republic's foreign minister, Walter, Walter Rathenau. In the second part of the show, I'll sit down with Shulamit Volkov, author of the Jewish Lives biography, Walter Rathenau, Weimar's Fallen Statesman. If you like what you hear, rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a friendly review. Thank you in advance. You can learn more about our books at jewishlives.org. You can learn more about our books at jewishlives.org. Join us as we explore the Jewish experience together. The year was 1922, and the streets of Berlin were filled with the promise of a new era. The Weimar Republic, Germany's first experiment in democracy, was establishing itself on the global stage. And at this moment, an unlikely leader emerged, Jewish industrialist Walter Rathenau, the new foreign minister of the Republic. Rathenau was a man of great intellect and a success in German industry. He overflowed with ideas of what the young republic might become. But tragedy loomed for Rathenau. On June 24, 1922, as the minister traveled in his open car through the leafy outskirts of Berlin, he was assassinated by enemies of the vibrant new republic. Walter Rathenau was not just a diplomat, but a Renaissance man an industrialist, a writer, and a philosopher with a deep understanding of the interplay among politics, economics, and culture. As foreign minister, Rathenau championed the cause of Germany on the international stage, navigating the treacherous waters of post-World War I diplomacy. He advocated for disarmament and sought to heal the wounds of war. His diplomatic prowess earned him the respect of world leaders and the admiration of his German colleagues. Rathenau's impact extended beyond his political achievements. He was a symbol of hope in a nation grappling with a tumultuous past, and his assassination served as a stark reminder of the fragility of 20th century democracy. Though his life was cut short, Walter Rathenau's vision of a united and prosperous Germany lives on today. Discover an illuminating biography of the thoroughly German and unabashedly Jewish foreign minister in Walter Rathenau, Weimar's Fallen Statesman by Shulamit Volkov. Save 25%. For a limited time only, use code Rathenau, that's R-A-T-H-E-N-A-U, at checkout. Only at jewishlives.org. Shulamit Volkov is a professor emerita of modern history at Tel Aviv University in Israel. She's also a member of the Israeli Academy of Science. She's published books, articles, and essay volumes with a focus on German social history, 
German Jewish history, the history of anti-Semitism, aspects of the Enlightenment, and on the historiography of National Socialism. Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast. Hello. To start, can you read us a passage that evokes Walter Rathenau? Well, I will read from the beginning of the book. So the book starts with Rathenau's murder. Then there are a few passages that characterize him. And here's what I chose to read for you. As a Jew, Rathenau moved between self-loathing and intense inner pride. As a German, too, and a committed patriot, he often saw through the nationalist megalomania of his time. And while hoping to fully join his folk, he always treasured his otherness. Rathenau's was a story of a modernizer who both admired and detested modernity. A man of action who wished to be appreciated for his philosophical reflections. A man of almost unlimited material means who claimed to value soul and spirit above all. He continually socialized, enjoying a huge circle of friends and acquaintances from various walks of life, but remained throughout his life a very lonely man, often withdrawn, even uncommunicative, seemingly preferring the solitude of the, his country house to the bustle of city life. Finally, his is a story of a man who passionately sought political power, but repeatedly drew back from, from its exercise. When he was finally ready and willing to take on the challenge, this cost him his life. That's a great encapsulation. And I want to pick up on the dualism that you mention a lot in that passage. Later in the book, you quote a colleague of Rathenau's who described him as a cross between a bank clerk and the poet Heinrich Heine, who was also a Jewish lives subject, actually. But can you elaborate on that combination? Well, it's a uh, Rathenau's. Um perhaps unique characteristics is that he wanted to have a hand in everything and he, he was also a, a multi-talent. So he also could have his hand in many things depending on his uh, what he wanted. For instance, he could paint very well, which is not always known. It's a very talented man who can do whatever he wants, who tries his hand in everything but in the end, always looks for yet another way. You also allude in that passage to his complex relationship to his Jewish heritage. Can you tell us more about how he thought about that or what he struggled with? Well, it was not easy for someone like him to acknowledge the fact that there were limits set upon himself because of his Jewishness. He was his father was extremely rich, not at the beginning, but eventually as Rathenau grew to be able to become a man. And even money didn't help. He tried whatever he could to be like everybody else, but he wasn't. For many reasons, not only for because of his Jewishness, but his Jewishness was a major theme for him as it was for many German Jews at the time. 
the fact of being both German and Jewish, like someone in America today is both American and Jewish, and it's usually not a big problem. This double or hybrid uh, identity is not does not have to be problematic and usually is not. But for him, it was very problematic, like for many German Jews. This is the first case, actually, where Jews were integrated, but always remained somehow apart. And the book puts a particular light on this issue. It's interesting to say that he never even considered seriously conversion. Others in his situation very often converted in Germany. He did not. And uh, there was something, there was a, some sort of pride in him. He took pride in his Jewishness. At the same time, he sometimes uh, felt disgusted by, by his Jewish colleagues, by the Jewish environment that he observed, by Jews that were not exactly like him, and so on. So it was always, uh, like everything in this man, it was ambivalent. And even wrote publicly of his distaste for Judaism. He begins by detesting these Jews. When he goes to the university in Strasbourg, he writes to his mother, uh, about the fact that there are too many Jews, both in the faculty and in the among the students, and actually that he is surrounded by Jews and this. But later on, he changed his mind, or perhaps he didn't change his mind, but uh, he learned to live with the situation and somehow accepted it and was less bitter about it. So another big identity of his was that of a writer. He passionately published many works. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit more about one of his more famous works and why it resonated with readers at the time. After the war, after the First World War, he wrote a few essays on the economy and the society of the modern world and how he thought it should be. And these were very serious and very well read a book. The publisher that published his books managed to have all bookstores have only his book in the front. So there was also quite a lot of public uh, relations work for his uh, publications, and he was a well-known author. And eventually a politician or a political figure. And so I wanted to know from you how these two sides, the industrialists and the public intellectual who's thinking about the soul and other big thoughts, how do those inform his political views and stances ultimately? It didn't. These are two sides of the same man. Perhaps what uh, did affect him are the thoughts on the modern world and the options that are being opened by modernity. He saw only also the dangers of modernity, but he also realized some of the uh, important possibilities that were opened by, by it. And so this might have affected his politics. But as a whole, he was a political man aside from all that. And in fact, he began to 
to be successful when he left everything aside, forgot his philosophical ambitions and and uh, his writing and all that, and simply concentrated on his work with relation to the industry, but not with relation to all this spiritual world that so preoccupied him. So he was successful as an industrialist. He wrote and was successful as a writer, but he for many years struggled to enter the political scene. What was his breakthrough into German politics? Well, really he became a politician with with a name when he already gave up on it because he made so many efforts. At first, during the First World War, he immediately, as the war began, he suggested to the war ministry that he would take care of the problem of raw materials in, in times of war. Interestingly enough, the war, the war ministry and the army were not prepared for actually taking care of this problem. This is quite, quite interesting in itself. And they immediately took on this suggestion and he was employed by the Ministry of War for several months, but only for several months as the chief of a special body that had to, to take care of the providing of raw material for industry and for private people during the war. At times where normal uh, commercial relationships were broken, somehow he thought that this would be a step forward, but it, but it wasn't. So he left, and only later, after the war, when Germany was in a very complicated situation, having to pay enormous reparations after the war, he seemed simply to be the only person who can handle it. And uh, he was taken on by the then Prime Minister, Wirt, one of the many Prime Ministers that uh, were changing at the beginning of uh, the life of the Weimar Republic, and uh, became uh, the uh, Foreign Minister of Weimar. One must say, as he walked into this job, so to speak, he was already thinking of how to leave it. It ultimately ended in his assassination. And so I am curious about the impact that had on the new republic, his murder. In the short run, it seemed to have had a very positive impact. Great crowds came to his funeral. Soon he was treated like some kind of martyr of the Republic. And for some time, this helped the Republic put things together and make sure that it doesn't happen again and that these unruly right-wing troops would be under control, investigated, put where they should be, and restrained. But this is, was only a short-term uh, period. So I have one final question for you, which is, if you had the opportunity to speak with Walter Rathenau, 
Is there anything that you would ask him or is there anything that you would want to say to him? Finally, a very difficult question. Perhaps I would have asked him if there was any way, if he thought there was a way that Germany would not end up with national socialism. I think this would have been an interesting discussion. Thank you so much, Professor Volkov, for sitting down to talk with me about your book, Walter Rathenau, Weimar's Fallen Statesman. Thank you. The Jewish Lives Podcast is made possible by the Leon D. Black Foundation. Special thanks to our partners at Yale University Press, the Jewish Lives Editorial Director, Eileen Smith, series editors, Anita Shapira and Stephen J. Zipperstein, Managing Director Rebecca Keyes, and to Linda Brennan and Ruby Elliott Zuckerman. The Jewish Lives podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alessandra Walner. Our music is composed by Barry J. Cohen. As Groucho Marx once said, outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Watch for forthcoming Jewish Lives titles, including Arthur Miller. Learn more about our books at jewishlives.org.